with it. So I've got to be honest, I wasn't very kind to her. Um, I wouldn't say I was rude to her, but I just wasn't very kind to her. And then I went home and wrote this sermon on kindness. <laughs> so um, I just thought it was a good example of, of, uh, of not being kind, really. Um, but I'm just being honest with you. We all have days like that, don't we, where we get frustrated and we're not very kind to people and we should be more kind. So, so what do we mean by kindness? Kindness in the, in the Bible. Um, I've got a Greek word up on here. Um, keep going. Oh, it's, it's clashed a little bit. Well, if you can read that. Um, Krestotes, meaning benignity, meaning a good deed or favour, an instance of kindness. Benignity is born of selfless devotion. That's an old word, isn't it? Benignity is um, tolerance, useful kindness. Um, this is all from Strong's Concordance. You ever want to look up a, a Greek word? You can go online nowadays and, and just, uh, you don't have to get the massive Strong's Concordance, which all us pastors up uh, out. You can look at it uh, online and uh, that's what Strong says. And we're going to go back to that useful kindness a little bit later. Um, and then this definition as well, the quality of being generous, helpful and caring about other people or an act showing this quality, meeting real needs in God's ways. So the starting point this morning really needs to be that God is kind. God is kind, isn't he? It's the obvious place to start. Psalm 36 verse 5 in the Amplified says, Your mercy and loving kindness, O Lord, extend to the skies and your faithfulness to the clouds. Elsewhere, Psalm 63, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. And that's what we've been doing this morning, isn't it? We just, we're full of praise for God, full of worship for God because of his kindness above all, his kindness to us as sinners. And, um, and then of course, in, in Titus 3, I wanted to just put these two passages in as well, just to set the scene really, because this is really where God's kindness starts, I guess, in so many ways. At one time, we, we too were foolish disobedient, deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. I love that. That's what's happened to you if you're a Christian this morning, if you're following Jesus. That's what's happened. And surely somebody can say amen to that this morning. We, we, we've, we've experienced this, so many of us. You know, this rebirth, this new life, this transformation of our lives and his Holy Spirit being poured into us. Why? Because of the kindness of God. And then Ephesians 2. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive in Christ. Alive in Christ. You know, that, that's our position. That's where we should be. You should be alive in Christ. There should, you know, there should be a pulse, a Christian pulse going on in your life that you're alive in Christ, something's going on. There's a, there's, there's, you know, if you've only got a flicker of, of life right now, then maybe you need to do something about that. Spend some more time with God, get into the Word of God again, start serving. You know, Romans 12 talks about us keeping up our spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. If you've lost your spiritual fervour, I can almost guarantee you're not serving. 
Each of us should be serving. I wasn't even planning to say this. Each of us should be serving in the house of the Lord. Somewhere we can find our place of service. We've been made alive in Christ. I hope you're alive in Christ this morning, switched on to Him, in a relationship with Him, close to Him. Made alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace, expressed in what? In His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. God is kind. He has been so kind to us, so kind to each one of us. I look back at my life and I think God has been so kind to me. I haven't deserved it so much. I haven't deserved it. And yet he's been so kind to me. And as we look through the Bible, we see lots of stories of of God's people being kind. As As I was preparing for this on Tuesday morning, in spite of what happened at the doctors and, you know, um, I started to immediately think of uh, Abraham's hospitality to the three strangers, Jonathan's kindness to David, Rahab and the Israelite spies, a kindness to them. And the one that I thought of probably more than anything else was Boaz and Ruth. You know, the kinsman redeemer, I almost thought I was going to be preaching on that this morning. I spent quite a lot of time studying it and uh, particularly chapter two of Ruth, where there there are eight or nine instances of of Boaz's kindness to Ruth, the way he protected her, the way he looked after her, the the way he positioned her to receive food, the way he sent her home with more food. And, you know, he's just, his caring, his comfort, his kindness to her, amazing. We see the the New Testament, the little boy with his packed lunch, with his his five loaves and two fishes and, and the good Samaritan. We see kindness throughout the Bible. But I want to focus on Jesus because this whole series, Fruit of the Spirit, is, is, is all about becoming more like Jesus. That's the aim of this series, to, to help each one of us become more like Christ. We should see the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. We should see those things developing more and more in our lives as we, as we go on our, our Christian journey, seeing just more and more of that developing being more loving, being more joyful, being more at peace, being more kind, being, being goodness flowing from our hearts, having more self-control, all those kind of things. Second thing to say is, next PowerPoint, Jesus was kind. Um, he was kind. Nick mentioned earlier about Jesus gathering the children to him, feeding the hungry, healing the sick, forgiving the guilty, friend of sinners. Jesus demonstrated God's kindness to a watching world. Demonstrated it through his mercy and his compassion and his love, his forgiveness. And I want to highlight four, very quickly, just four um, examples of Jesus's kindness. And the first one is the man with leprosy in Matthew chapter eight. And we can put it up on screen. And uh, the story's there, it's a very, very brief one. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Amazing kindness. Don't forget, this is is 2,000 years ago and Jesus reaches out and touches the leper. Think about that for a moment. This social outcast, this guy with this horrific disease that was so easily transferable, he reaches out and touches him. 
And he wants us to show that kindness to others, to reach out and touch the, the social outcasts. You know, the people who nobody associates with, the people who nobody talks with. I wonder if there are any on your front line. I wonder if there are any in your office, in your workplace, in your street, the, the person who nobody talks to, who everybody avoids. Jesus is such an example to us of kindness. And Zacchaeus, he had dinner with Zacchaeus, a known sinner, known for robbing people. Yet, yet Jesus didn't hesitate to enter his house. He accepted Zacchaeus just as he was. He didn't demand, this is an interesting thing, he didn't even demand that Zacchaeus change before he went to his house. And there is no record at all in the the narrative of Jesus trying to convert Zacchaeus. And yet what did Zacchaeus say? I think we can put it up on screen, didn't he? Um, Yeah, the next thing. Um, I'll give half my possessions to the poor if I've taken too much from anyone. Too much from anyone, that must be a modern translation. I will give back four times as much. Isn't it interesting? The scripture says later, I can't remember where it is, but it it says somewhere later in the New Testament, God's kindness leads to repentance. I think that's what happened in that situation. And then the next one I want to use as an example of Jesus' kindness is the woman caught in adultery. And this is an interesting one. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the acts of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked a woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus was so kind to this lady, wasn't he? He's so compassionate, so tender, so protective of her. I mean, by the law, she should have been stoned and yet he protected her. He comforted her. He stood with her. Yet notice this, friends. Notice his final words to her. Go and leave your life of sin. We live in a generation that says God loves everyone. God accepts everyone. We should love everyone. We should accept everyone. And of course, we all agree with that, don't we? But Jesus wasn't afraid to say, go away and sin no more. And neither should we be, to be honest. Go away and sin no more. Jesus accepted her. He loved her but he didn't affirm her sinful behaviour. And so we need to be careful on this with what the culture is telling us today about loving everyone. You've got to love everyone. I don't see Jesus stopping loving people, but he wanted people to change as well uh, their behaviour at times. And then the next one, and I love this story, and I'll explain why in a moment. The woman with the issue of blood. Um, Jesus is on his way to um, Jairus' house. Jairus' daughter is is ill and um, Jesus went with him. He was surrounded by the crowds. Um, A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding and she could find no cure. It's a shocking thing, isn't it? 
Come up behind Jesus, coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realised that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she'd been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I love this story. It's an interesting story, isn't it? Because Jesus is, is, is hurrying through the crowds to get to Jairus' daughter. And, you know, you can imagine that people are milling around him. It's almost like, you know, coming out of a football stadium after the match or, or a concert arena or, or being on the tube in London in rush hour or something. And, and people are everywhere. And Jesus suddenly goes, someone's touched me. And Peter's reaction is, you've got to be joking. You know, everyone's touching you. You know, you're, you're going through this crowd. But Jesus knew that that power had left him, that somebody had deliberately touched him in order to receive their healing. Amazing, isn't it? And this, this, this woman is healed in this miraculous way. 12 years she'd been struggling with this, constant bleeding. I was reading it again this morning and it, and it stuck out to me so clearly. 12 years, constant bleeding, no cure at all. Imagine that having to live with that 2,000 years ago, never mind um, today. And Jesus says to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now, the law of the day, she, she was considered ceremonially unclean because of her flow of, of blood. And yet, Jesus doesn't condemn her. Jesus' response is full of kindness he didn't put her in a place. He didn't tell her she shouldn't have been there or reprimand her for touching him. In fact, he calls her daughter. I love that. He says, daughter. And he says, go in peace. You know, here's the thing about this particular story, this narrative. I've, I think I've mentioned it probably, I don't know, two or three times in, in my time preaching as a pastor and on at least two occasions, I've seen ladies healed of this horrible thing um, in our meetings. Um, I can remember it happening clearly where, where ladies have just discreetly come and said to me, you know, you prayed for me, I've been healed of that. We're going to pray for healing at the end of this because we want to deal with that stuff that's gone on for 12 years for which there appears to be no cure. Jesus' kindness is amazing. He demonstrated that God is kind. And I think God wants us to demonstrate his kindness as well, wherever we are, to demonstrate that kindness. He wants us to be kind to, to, to the sick, to the hurting, to the broken, to the harassed and helpless, to the undeserving. He wants us to be kind on our front lines. Jesus demonstrated that God is kind. And, you know, God wants us to be kind. And and not to be unkind. We can be unkind, can't we, at times? I can be unkind at times. In the doctor's surgery, I can be unkind. I wonder where and when are you unkind? Before we look just briefly at the close of, of how we can be, un, be kind and where God wants us to be kind, what about just pausing for a moment and thinking and challenging ourselves Saying to God, is there anywhere where I'm unkind? Any, any sort of context, any place? Is there, any, is there anybody I'm unkind to occasionally? 
And I thought through this and I, and I was thinking of, of some things just to give you this little challenge, this little dig in the, the ribs from Father. And, you know, are there any places where maybe you're unpa- impatient? Like I was with the doctor, with the lady trying to take my blood. Is there any, anywhere where you're particularly impatient or anyone you're particularly impatient with, they wind you up? You know, we can, we can be unkind when we're, when we're sarcastic to people. When we, when we mock someone. I mean, I've, I've not had a real job for years. I don't have got away with it so long, to be honest. But I haven't had a real job for years. But I can remember in the workplace, there was always someone in the workplace who was constantly mocked. There was always someone who people took the rip out of. I can remember at school having, having a friend, his name was Stephen Fenn, and um, he, he was a little boy with glasses, and, and he was just like the, the, the most annoying kid in the class. Uh, and we would just mock him and, you know, and, and take the rip out of him. I wonder if there's anybody in your world. I, I just want to challenge you this morning. Just think about it for a moment. Is there anybody who, who you, you get involved in the mocking of that person? Is there anybody that you're really harsh with, that you're just harsh with them? You get angry with them quickly. Anybody that you're cruel to. You know, Christians can be cruel. They can be cruel at times. Is there anybody that you you immediately find yourself in judgment with? You, You immediately judge them. You talk about them to your spouse. Is there anybody you're really critical of? Sometimes as Christians, we we can be really self-righteous, can't we? We can judge others so so quickly and we we get really self-righteous ourselves. I wonder, is self-righteousness a a, a way in which you're, you're, you're just not being kind? Or maybe you have some prejudices. It's tough stuff to listen to, isn't it, this morning? Maybe you discriminate. Maybe you exclude people at times. Maybe you're racist. I think all of us have to look at our hearts on that a little bit. Those of us who are white English, white British, you know, I'm, I'm proud to be white British personally, and nothing wrong with being white British. But you know, our, our country has changed so much, and I, I thank God for all our, all our brothers and sisters who've, who've moved here from all over the world. But you know, listen, seriously, it's easy for some of us to be racist without even realising it. And that leads to unkindness. And by the way, can I say, when we came to Banbury, I don't know whether I should say this or not, I'm going to say it anyway. When we came to Banbury Community Church, it was very white British. Praise God for all the people from the nations of the world that have joined our church. I love it. I love it. And, you know, we need to have some international food at some time, some point. Never mind these connect lunches. We need to get them all cooking, get everyone cooking. Is it okay to say that? You hear my heart on that. You know, you're so welcome. And uh, it just provides a wonderful flavour to, to our church. So are there any places, any areas, any context where, where maybe you're just, you're a bit unkind? A bit unkind? Allow, allow God to challenge your heart this week as you're going through this week, just to maybe ring a little alarm bell. Come on, you know, that's not good. Like he did with me you know, with the, with the lady this week. And, you know, I wasn't rude or aggressive to her. I, I just wasn't happy when I went in the room. And I showed it with my body language. I wasn't happy with being kept waiting for that long. Okay.
So be kind. The Bible says this, 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is patient, love is... It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. Ephesians 4, 32, be... You're doing well this morning. And compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So again, is, is, is there anyone in church, in life group, in the band, in the team you're part of that you need to be kinder to? Maybe you need to be kinder to them. Show more compassion and, and grace. So anybody who rubs you up the wrong way, maybe it's me. Well, sorry about that. Um, maybe it's me and I'll keep moving forward. Um, Colossians 3 verse 2 says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, humility, gentleness and patience. So we need to put on kindness, don't we? So show kindness, useful kindness. And this is getting to the crux of it. One story that I haven't mentioned from the Old Testament is this one where David has become king, Saul is dead, and, and David thinks to himself, I wonder if there's anybody from Saul's household who I can show kindness to. Isn't that a wonderful thing for David to do? Because back then, what kings would do when they, went on, when they became king, they'd destroy the family, everyone be finished, they would be murdered. He didn't want no threat to his life from a descendant or anybody else. But David is different. He acts with honesty and integrity and kindness and just says, is there anybody out there who I can show kindness to? And of course, um, there was someone, and it happens to be a son of Jonathan, who was like a brother to him. And of course, David uh, sends for Mephibosheth and, and gives him back all the land that belonged to Saul. Isn't that amazing? And he arranged for it to be farmed for him because the guy is lame. And he gave him a seat at his table for the rest of his days. And the Bible says it was, he was treated as if he was one of David's sons. Isn't that amazing story of kindness? He showed kindness, biblical kindness. It's about doing what is right, even when it's hard. It's about going the extra mile and being there for people no matter what. Biblical kindness is always rooted in love. And the kindness is a reflection of the heart of God. Keep going, you'll get that. I'm going a bit fast now, motoring. So useful kindness. I want us to think about useful kindness for a moment. How can we show useful kindness? Let's just put all these up, shall we? Oop, I'll carry it. Yeah, here we are. We can show useful kindness by listening attentively to people. We could donate blood or clothes or food or household goods and furniture. You could volunteer your time and talents to help others. You could compliment people. We show kindness by complimenting people. I don't want a cue afterwards saying that was an amazing sermon. Uh, but you, you can compliment Julia on a dress or something. But, you know, we can compliment people. You know, you did a good job there. You know, to all our people who work in the Sunday school every week and make sacrifices of not being in main church, you know, thank you. Showing kindness to people. Keep going. Forgiving people. Smiling more often. In that doctor's room. I was not smiling. I was not communicating kindness at all. May God forgive me for uh, doing that. Okay, so I think it's four areas in which we can be kind. We can be kind to the poor. The Bible's very clear about this. 
We show mercy to the poor and, and not miss an opportunity to do acts of kindness for others, for these are the true sacrifices that delight God's heart. And of course, we can donate, we can support missionary charities, we can give as needs arise. And I love this from Proverbs 19. It's a promise, it says this, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done so we can be kind to the poor we can be kind to strangers as well this is a interesting one isn't it I always wonder how often this has happened show hospitality to strangers for there may be angels from God showing up as your guests it's an interesting one isn't it I remember a few years ago um we were, we'd been treated, and when we were in Newcastle, we'd been treated to a, um, to two or three days in Champney's um, health spa um, in Ashby de la Zouche, not that far away, just the other side of Birmingham. And uh, we'd driven down, we'd had this amazing sort of spa experience with, with treatments that we'd never heard of before. And uh, we walked around in white robes all day with, with slippers on and we sat around. I mean, this place is so expensive. I think it's about £200 a night or something. I mean, it's just unbelievable place. Uh, but I mean, the, I've got to be honest, if you're thinking of going there, the food's rubbish. I mean, it's honestly, if I'd known it was going to be so healthy, I'd have taken some biscuits and some chocolate and things like that I mean it was just it was like chicken with everything I mean I like chicken but not for breakfast dinner and tea to be honest I mean it was just the food is so boring but but we we went to this place and uh and we're on the way and we were so relaxed we'd had this amazing two or three days and we're driving back up the A1 and and, and I was just going off for the services and and uh this lorry cut me up completely um and my wheel ended up going over the over the curb and um, my wheel basically sort of got broken and we were just stuck there and uh, quite a lot of cars went past and then this car stopped to offer some help and there were Christians. Isn't that amazing? The Christians helped us. They didn't know who we were and they just stopped and helped us and waited for the recovery car, um, to recovery guys to come and, um, you know, we should be kind to strangers. We really should be kind to strangers and show hospitality to them. But also, um, Leviticus reminds us as well that do not take advantage of foreigners who live among you in your land. Treat them like native-born barbarians and love them as you love yourself. Remember that you were once foreigners living in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. I mentioned this earlier. I don't think I need to say much more about that. Let's be kind to everyone who wasn't born in Banbury. I wasn't born in Banbury, so you've got to be kind to me as well. Number three, be kind to your spouse. Julia dictated this one to me. Um, I came across this quote um, during a week in my research. I don't know who said it, but it, it says, talk to your spouse more kindly than you talk to anyone else in the world. Too often we speak the harshest to the one we love most. I've been guilty of that and I'm sorry. I've been guilty of that at times, of being harsh with the one I love most. And uh, fellas, I think that's perhaps something that we're more, um, that happens to us more than to the ladies. So just have a think today. How can you be kind to your spouse? How can you be thoughtful? How can you share the chores? I'm making a rod from my own back here give them an afternoon off, maybe secretly arranging something for them that they've always wanted um, to do, maybe take the pressure off them. How can you be kind to your 
spouse. Number four, be kind to your brothers and sisters in Christ. I mentioned this already, but you know, sometimes I've noticed in, in church life over the years that the people you would expect to be the kindest are, are not kind and not helpful. And 1 John 3, um, 16, I'm always challenged by this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. I've been around a long time now, and you know there, there are people within our fellowship, within our churches that need help, and there are people in those churches who can help. And what do they say? I'll pray about it. Rather than offering the help that they could give, let's not be a congregation like that. In our early years planting the church in Crewe, uh, we, we had, uh, how many children we have then? Five children. Um, and uh, Judah, I know what I'm going to say even before I say it on this one, but we, we, I, wasn't be, I was hardly being paid any money. We'd hardly got any income coming in. We'd only got the rent each month just about covered. And we got to a point one week where we'd just got nothing left. We'd got no food left. And uh, we'd, we'd needed some milk, I think for the baby, was it? We needed some milk anyway. And, and I said to one of my elders at the church, one of my leaders at the church, you know, we've, we need some milk. Um, we, we've run out of milk, we've run out of food. And you know what that guy did? I've forgiven him for it. I mentioned him in my book as well, I imagine. That guy gave us a pound to buy some milk and then asked for the pound back on the Sunday. In the church. Now, what Julia and I would have done, if somebody had said to us that, we would have gone out and bought them two or three bags of shopping and taken it round and not asked for the money back. And we'd done that many times over the years. You see, this is the example, this is what I'm trying to say, is we need to be kind to one another. And if we hear of a need that a brother or sister in Christ has got or a neighbour's got, whoever it is, and we can meet that need, you know, be clear about what the Bible says. We should meet that need. Because God will honour us, God will, God will replace whatever we, we give. Number five, need to move on. Be kind to your enemies, this is the final one. Bless those... Oh, you're a bit thing, uh, trigger happy. I'm glad you've not got your finger on the uh, red button. In mind you, the guy who has got his finger on it at the moment, I'm not sure about him either. Um, bless those who, but bless those who. This is not being recorded. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> might have a visit from either the Russian mafia or the American mafia. I'm not sure which one. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not. Curse. We need to be kind to our enemies. Romans 12 verse 20 says this, I love this. And if your enemy is hungry, buy him lunch. Win him over with kindness. So here's the question as we come to a close. Who do you need to buy lunch for? I'm available on Monday. To, no, no. Who, who do you need to buy lunch for um, this week? You know, this is how we bless people. We were generous to them. This is how bless our enemies. We'd be generous to them. We'd think of them. We'd bless them rather than curse them. So how can you bless that person who's your enemy this week? If you've got someone who may not, you wouldn't, maybe wouldn't class them as enemy, but some that difficult person, that person who makes your life difficult at times, makes your life in misery. Is there any way you can bless them this week? 
take them a nice bun tomorrow or something, I don't know, or, or just do something thoughtful in their, in their world. You never know where, where kindness will lead you. So here we are. Jesus was kind. Don't be unkind. Don't be unkind. Be kind. And Mother Teresa said this, be kind and merciful. Let no one ever come to you without coming away better and happier. Be the living expression of God's kindness. Amen.